you know, all through the mountains of the Appalachian mountain range, there are empty caverns where once after World War II, men began to dig through the mountains looking for coal and working out in mountain, great mountains were caved in as they drove through and drove through and gouged out great places trying to get to the precious commodity that was so rich and pure. But after a while, economically and other things caused the fact that the, most of those mines were closed down and all that's left are the openings to some caverns that once people went in and out trying to harvest coal as they dealt with it. Think about what those caverns might say to us if we could hear them. Standing before one of those empty caves in the wind blowing through and we could hear the stories of all those men who had passed through those corridors going down deep, deep, deep into the earth, risking their lives, many losing their lives, trying to bring out that commodity that was so necessary in those days for our heating, our cooling, for the things that we needed in our land. What would be there? But there's a greater cavern I want you to think about this morning. If you and I could stand at an empty tomb, imagine what might it have to say? If we could stand in that opening at which one day some did, can you imagine what they must have felt? They went, they, they, just a few days before, they had laid a body in that tomb, a dead body. And now as they approached that tomb, their, their stone was rolled away and, and the cavern was open. And as they looked in, there wasn't anything there. What did that cave? See, I think this morning, if you and I would listen carefully, I know caves can't speak and caverns and tombs don't talk, but I believe there's something much louder being said than any voices that you and I could hear. If we'd just let ourselves imagine for a moment what it'd be like to stand in that place and to hear, what would the tomb? the empty tomb, say to you and say to me. There's so many passages that we could read this morning. I want to read one out of John chapter 20 to just set the tone. And then I want to challenge us to hear what the tomb would say to us if it could speak. And I believe it does speak. If you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. Chapter John chapter 20, I'm going to read just the first eight verses. The whole chapter has so much to say to us, but let me just read those first eight verses this morning. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb, and while it was still dark, and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran, and she came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came, following him, and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in the place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then entered and he saw and believed. Would you stand with me? Pray with me. Father, I thank you this morning 
that you have given to us a victory that can never, ever be diminished. That you have given to us the evidence of the promises of God are true and yes and finalized in the person of the living Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray this morning, even though Easter is one of those familiar times that we come to, which comes every year and we go through the motions of doing the same kind of things, could we pause for a moment maybe this, this morning and your Holy Spirit just overwhelm us, Father, with the realities of the echoes of God's voices coming to, us, voice coming to us out of the tomb as you speak to us the truths that are portrayed by an empty tomb. Father, help us this morning to know more than we've ever known before your love, to experience deeper than we've ever experienced before your forgiveness, to understand in ways we've never understood the love of God, the peace of God, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God illustrated to us. In Jesus Christ, our living Savior and Lord. And I pray in His name. Amen. You may be seated. As we listen, there's one thing, if you don't hear anything else this morning, that you need to hear that the tomb has to say to you. Of all the things here, we're standing there at the tomb, and, and it's empty, and it's there. And what God says to us through that void that's there, that emptiness that's there, the voice of God, if you would listen to it, it said, this was done for you. Understand that this morning. The cross, the resurrection, all that God did in Jesus Christ was for you. It was done for you. It wasn't done just as something to be talked about. It wasn't done to some religious movement or something that was going on. It wasn't some philosophical thought that came along. But this was an act of God conceived in the heart of God before the foundation of the earth that one day would take place in history when His Son would climb upon a cross, bear your sins and my sins under the wrath of a holy God, and He would be placed in a tomb dead, and He would rise from that grave, from that tomb, and He did it for you. That's the message of Easter. That's the message of the cross. That's the message of an empty tomb. It's for you. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever think that Easter is just a holiday to dress up or to hunt Easter eggs or, or to tell good stories or neat things that are going. Easter is about you. That's the whole purpose of it. If it wasn't for you, it would never have happened because God so loves you that He gave Himself in Jesus Christ that we might have life and have it everlastingly as we look at it, but let's listen more carefully. Not only was it for you, but the scripture says, listen, grace, grace, hear the echoing of it, grace, 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 echoing through the empty tomb as it would come. God is saying to you, my grace is sufficient to you, for you. There's nothing that you could have done or ever will do that my grace can't cover. There's no sin that you can call, that you can do in your life that I can't forgive. There's nothing in your life that has ever caused me to less, love you less. Grace. Grace is sufficient. That's what they say. Jesus didn't come so we could just have a better world. He didn't come just so we could live a better life. He came to do something for you and for me that we couldn't do for ourselves. He came to save us from our sins. See, the Bible says in the book of Timothy that there's a word that is worth repeating. There's, there's a note that's worth talking about. And it says that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. That's why he came. To save you and to save me. 
All of us are sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us are without hope apart from the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us upon the cross and in the resurrection of what he did. Grace, grace, grace and more grace, abounding grace is yours and it's mine and it's ours for all time, no matter what goes on. It's not just that we get grace when we come before the Lord and I bow before him and I say, I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior, and I believe with everything in my heart that Jesus Christ is that Savior. And I give my heart to you. I accept your, your work upon the cross in my behalf. I believe in your living presence in the Lord Jesus Christ of the resurrection. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior in confession of my sin. Save me. It's not just that moment that grace is there, but grace is abundant every day that I live. Grace is sufficient for every moment of my life, for every heartache that I feel, for every burden that comes over my life, for every darkness that I find myself, no matter where I am and no matter what I'm doing, grace is enough. It's sufficient. It's grace that's being given to us. It's grace that's overpowering us. It's grace that's coming from that tomb. As we say, my grace is sufficient. Every bit of the grace that you need, I have provided in my Son, Jesus Christ. See, none of us are beyond the reach of the grace of God. What an amazing thing that is. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done in our lives, no matter what kind of thoughts we've had, no matter what kind of actions we've taken, no matter what kind of person we've become, grace is enough that it can reach us and change our lives and bring meaning and purpose and hope to all that we are and being a part of. That's what he's trying to say to us as we hear and see the wonder of the empty tomb is grace as we listen and as we hear again. But let's listen again. It's not just that that empty tomb says, this was all for you. The whole purpose of the cross, the whole purpose of the empty tomb is for you. It's not just that he says, it's grace that abounds. It's grace that is for you. But listen, are you hearing it? Victory. Victory is the word that comes out of that tomb as we stand and we listen and walks through the verse. It reverberates through the tunnels as we're there and into our heart, into our lives. Victory is there. See, the Bible tells us that because the Lord Jesus Christ came and He died upon the cross for us and He rose from the dead, that resurrection is the proclamation of God's victory. It's the proclamation that every promise that God ever made to mankind is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. It is the proclamation that the grave cannot hold us. See, Jesus came and He took on Satan right in the middle of his world, in the middle of his sin, in the middle of his death, and all that he held precious to himself. And Jesus wrapped himself up in the death of the grave. And he broke free from that. And he said, victory for all days and for all time and for all people who will stand in the presence of my grace that I've offered to you. Victory. Victory. You and I have victory in our lives because of what God accomplished in Jesus Christ. Because of what he did there. The empty tomb is a forever shout to us. It's an eternal message. It cannot be, cannot be hindered. It cannot be stopped. Victory, 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 victory is ours. We won. Because he won. See, he won the battle. It's the same concept as you remember of David and Goliath. You remember the story. David fought Goliath. And what was going on was the battle, instead of all these people battling one another and all the blood being shed and all the people being killed, the challenge was that you give me your best man, I'll give you our best man. Those two men will fight. And whoever wins, that nation is the victor. And the other nation will become slaves to them. 
all of the Israelites cowered in fear because they didn't have faith in God. But a young man came along, was insulted that someone would insult his God. And in the name of God, he took on a giant, you'll remember, and defeated him. And in his winning the battle, Israel, the whole nation of Israel won, and the Philistines were defeated and chased away and became the slaves for a time of Israel because of the victory that was won by one man. Far, far, far greater than that is the story of a cross. When Satan threw everything that he had at God, Jesus Christ said, I willingly take that upon myself. And he became sin upon the cross of Calvary. And God poured out his wrath upon him, his judgment upon him. It was the judgment that I deserved. It was the wrath that belonged to me. It was what I should have experienced. But Jesus stood in my place and he took all the wrath of a holy God, all the anger against sin, all the hatred of evil that was there and he let it be poured out upon him and he took it upon himself and he died for my sin. And they put him in a tomb. But you see, there's just not any tomb that can hold Jesus. There's no death that can get in his way. And he stepped forth in glory and he said to you and he said to me, victory, 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 it's yours. I won and now it's all yours. We didn't do anything. We don't deserve it. It's not any right that we have. But by the grace and the mercy of God, He won our victory. And we shall live within the context of that victory for all eternity. He won. Victory is ours. See, there used to be a sermon that was preached a lot. Maybe you've heard it preached or something. It was called Friday is here, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Folks, I want to change that just a little bit if you'll give me permission. I didn't ask the guy that preached it, but I'm going to do it anyway. It may seem like Friday in your life. You may be overwhelmed with problems and issues. You may not understand what's going on. You may be struggling to believe there's a God and how could God let things happen the way they happen. You may have all kinds of questions and doubt in your life. It may be Friday. But I got a good news for you. It's not just that Sunday's coming. Sunday has come. He's come. It's already done. We're not waiting on it. It's already happened. Jesus Christ is alive. He's come. The victory is ours. There's nothing that you face, nothing that I face, that we can't have victory in through Jesus Christ as we look at it and as we understand it. That's the message of Easter and of the cross as we look at it. But there's one other word that I want us to take just a moment of as we look at it and think about it that comes out of that cross. There's so many, and and we could stay so together so long and celebrate so wondrously. But this other word is the word that you'll remember that comes out through the Gospels if you read the ends of the Gospels. And you see what's there. And when they saw the resurrection, when they saw the empty tomb, the word that kept coming to them was go tell. Go tell. That's what's coming out of the tomb. That's the word that you and I hear if we know Jesus Christ. If, we have allowed, if we've understood, it's for me. 
Grace is for me. I've been forgiven. I've been made a child of the living God. I've been given hope for everlasting. I have the victory in Jesus Christ. And now the message of the tomb is saying to me, go tell. Go tell what you've seen. Go tell what you've experienced. Go tell people that I'm alive. Go tell people that I won the victory. Go tell people that death is no more in charge. That I have defeated death. I have defeated sin. And all who will come to me. And all who will believe in me. And all who will accept me. Have the victory in me. Now go tell people about it. The greatest news that we've ever had. The most amazing story that's ever been told in all of history is the story of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And lest you doubt the reality of it, I would challenge you this morning to open up your mind and to do something on your own for a change and just look through the evidence that's there. There's more evidence for the resurrection than there is for anything else you believe in religion or philosophy or anything else that's there. Jesus Christ is alive. And because he's alive, you and I have a message to tell. We have a story to tell. We have the best news that's ever been given to anyone in all of the world. Oh, it's great news when someone has a disease and and they're dying from that disease and and a surgery or a medicine or something happens or maybe just a work and and they're they're healed and they get to keep on living a few more days, weeks, years, whatever the case may be. That's good news and we're excited about that. And we tell everybody, boy, I was sick, but I'm well now. Folks, we were sick. And we had a penalty of death. And there's not any cure that could ever come. Nothing you can do, nothing I can do, nothing any medicine can do, nothing any scientist can do, nothing any government can do, nothing any economist can do, nothing any educator can do. There's nothing that can be done for us. We are condemned eternally. Until Jesus. And in Jesus, we have victory. We have good news. We've been healed. I am alive, not just for a few moments. You heard the scripture that we read in our our responsive reading time. We have life everlasting, resurrection life. We can never be defeated. We can never be held. The grave cannot hold us even for the moments that we may spend there, there. It's just for a moment. Because already we ourselves, that which makes us who we are, has already been with Christ from the very moment we took our last breath here. We stepped into the presence of the Holy God and we breathed our next breath in His presence. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And when we die, we immediately, in that very second, not in purgatory, not in some other place, but in the very presence of the living God, because He won the victory. And then one day, If we keep living this life to the extent of what's going on and we go through the process of mortal death, we're going to lay this old body aside, this old tabernacle aside, this thing that gets used up, messed up, every kind of way that it is, we're going to put it aside for a little while, just for a little while. And then Jesus is going to come and he's going to say, you slept long enough in that old body. You've enjoyed heaven. You know what it's like. Now I'm going to bring your body to come join with me and there's going to be a resurrection. (laughs) And these old bodies are going to be brand new going to be brought forth to life again to rejoin with that spirit that's already been with Christ forever and ever. How do we know that and how do we understand? Because Jesus is alive. See, if he was still in the tomb, none of that would be true. But he's not. He's alive. And because he's alive, you and I have the assurance of everlasting life, the promise of resurrection ourselves one day. Because he rose, so shall we. That's our promise. We don't have to doubt it. We don't have to question it. We don't have to be confused about it. We don't have to come into the latter parts of our lives and wonder, is it true? Is it possible? Check it out, folks. He's alive. And because he's alive, you and I shall live eternally. 
if. There's a big condition. If we put our faith in Christ and Him alone. It's nothing about being religious. It's not about a church. It's not about other things. It's about faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. It's about having a personal encounter with Him, the living Lord. Not a dead God, not a false prophet, but the living God of the universe speaks to you personally. It says, I love you. I love you. I gave my life for you. Will you accept what I have to offer you as a grace gift? Will you take the victory that I won for you? Will you step into eternal life with me knowing that we have been made right by the work of God in Christ Jesus? That's what Easter is about. Listen to the tune. This was for you. Grace, grace, grace abounds. Victory. Oh, we have victory in Jesus Christ. It is ours. We've got a story to tell. The better news than anything can tell. Better than talking about the weather. Better than worrying about the drought. Better than talking about the football game, the track meet, or any other thing. We've got news to tell. Good news. News that changes lives. News that changes worlds. News that breaks down barriers. News that opens the way to a life everlasting in the presence of God. We've got good news. Go tell it. Go tell it. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning we're so thankful that we have a living Savior. We're so thankful that we can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that our God is alive, that our God is real. None like Him. All the other people who tried to make themselves out to be gods, all the other religions who keep farming and trying to make themselves another way into the heavens are all false, all dead, all in their graves. But our God is true. Our God is real. Our God is alive. And He has given us the grace to understand that, the victory to overpower the sin in our life and to come into an everlasting life. And the greatest message that has ever been given to anybody to share, the message of hope. In a lost and dying world. Father, help us to take that. Father, I pray this morning. No matter what excuses that we already are forming in our minds and our hearts, if there's someone here that does not know the living Lord Jesus Christ in a personal way, I'm not talking about knowing about Him. I'm not talking about having been to church every once in a while. I'm not talking about even having their name on a roll or being baptized or, or saying that they're religious or good or moral or any of those kind of things. None of that matters. What matters is have they met you personally, the living Christ, and allowed you to change their lives, to give them your victory, your grace, your hope, your promise. Father, if there's anyone, no matter who they are and no matter what they may think they have to do hurriedly when they get away from this place or who they're with, it doesn't matter. This is a personal thing just between one person and you, each of us and you. We've never trusted you as Lord and Savior. Now's the time to do it. We don't have another promise beyond these moments. Now's the time to get that right. Father, whatever our need is, I know this morning because of the empty tomb that you're sufficient to meet it. You're able to meet wherever we are, whatever our need is. You're able to do that in our lives if we learn how to trust you, take you at your word, and walk with you. So this morning as we come to our moment of invitation, 
God, I pray your spirit is moving across our hearts, our minds, that you would allow us for just a few moments to put aside that dinner that's cooking or those plans that we have for the afternoon or whatever it may be. And for just a few moments, just to open up our hearts and listen to your spirit speak to us, calling us to trust you as Lord and Savior of our life, calling us to join a church and become actively involved in that church, not an occasional acquaintance, but an active family member, calling us to forgive those that we have grudges against, calling us to find peace in the midst of our turmoil, calling us to find a joy that exceeds the burdens, calling us to you. Might we come, Father, in response to your invitation, I pray in Christ's name, amen.